And thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. And it was an interesting week slash weekend trying to compose this episode. I was really, I mean, the primary goal was to see Expendables 4 since finally September came along and is releasing the kind of schlocky movies that I kind of yearn for, I suppose. So with that, uh, I tried to, I was originally planning to get up to Wrigley Field for the last Cubs homestand, and that was kind of delayed by a, well, the cha- plans changed when Hannah and Isabel from an opposing Champagne uh, Poor Bros free pub trivia team uh, invited me to go and partake in the Hellraiser bonfire. And I, you know, decided, well, I'm going to be up that late. I guess it takes out the Cubs game. So I did get around to seeing the um, Expendables 4, the Expendables sequel, I should say. And I will get around to talking to that. And I did record some... some, Oh, I recorded about me trying to uh, set up this episode. Basically, I wanted to do a... One, two, and three. Uh, and four, of course. Expendables, four. Um, so, I hadn't uh, talked about Hellraiser on Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth on this podcast. So, I decided to talk about that. And I wanted to get myself pumped for Expendables. And I decided to watch, uh, rewatch, of course, <laughs> Schlock Cinema, uh, Expendables 2. Probably the most fun of the series, in my opinion. Not the best narrative, but pretty linear. So, um, and my plan was like that early morning, once I got back home to my parents around eh, midnight and then hung out with my big sister, the poetic critic, who's looking for a good social media platform to jump on. If you got any suggestions, I stand by Mastodon myself. You can follow me on Mastodon at Russ Stevens at Mastodon.social. Um, so we hung out a bit, and Lord knows 2 o'clock came around after the late uh, Saturday night. Uh, late Sunday, I was just not going to go and find another movie to watch. I didn't even need any edibles to get to bed. So I uh, got home to Champagne today uh, before I had to get to work, which... Where my head's at, I got to work a half hour early. No objections by that great secondary job. Um, so that that was a just tells you where my head was at. A little tired still, and uh, having a couple ciders, and I think we'll wrap it up pretty quick. But hey, I still want to get some content out. So with that. My recordings about Hellraiser 3 and Expendables 2 are on a different device than what I put my Expendables uh, feature on. So, with that said, um, I'm just going to go and get the first part of this podcast done then, which will be the bookends, essentially. Uh, Expendables 4 and the movie that's the first in a franchise, at least I hope. I'm being realistic. It's not. 
This DVD came, finally got in the mail today from Netflix, and I'm trying to get it back in the mail, so hopefully I can get those 10 free DVDs that uh, DVD.com Netflix is trying to uh, liquidate, essentially. They don't need them anymore. So the movie that came in was Unleashed from 2005 with Jet Li, Bob Hoskins, uh, Bob Hops, ha. Bob Hoskins, Morgan Freeman, and uh, Carrie Condit. I think that's how I say her name. Um, she was in the Banshees of Inisherin and excellent in that. Uh, so, it's a movie. This movie is, and that's that's what came the title of the episode because, man, um, there's a lot of things that. I try to talk around. I don't want to spoil Expendables 4. four or Expendables. It's just weird how they keep trying to incorporate the, tie, the number in the title. You know, let's just get back to the parts, I suppose. I mean, that's probably why The Nun 2 beat it uh, at the box office this weekend. At least that's what the stats were, unless uh, quite the rally on Sunday. And, um... Yeah, so Unleashed is about a mobster uh, portrayed by Bob Hoskins, Mario from the Super Mario Brothers movie, and um, of course, uh, I mean, just a he played played Khrushchev in Enemy at the Gate, one of the few guys who decided to use a Russian accent. Um, of course, Eddie Valiant and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, you can go on and on about all his early uh, British stuff. I still need to watch, uh, I believe it's Mona Lisa, if I'm reading my Criterion section of my DVDs correctly. Um, so he's a mobster who, well, really, he's just a loan shark. At least it's that's what it seems to start. And he has raised a young Chinese boy into adulthood to serve as his attack dog whenever he pulls off the custom collar he has on the boy, now Jet Li, who's probably playing 20 years younger, and I think he kind of pulls it off. He was uh, only 42 at this time, I believe. Um, and if you don't pay the loan, he uh, pulls off the collar and... The attack dog is sent off. And it's a pretty good working relationship, but, you know, there's times where he's way too obedient. And he really doesn't, he is still human, uh, despite he eats with his hands and such. And he's still fascinated and curious. So I guess you could say, well, that still makes him a dog. But one loan collection, he is distracted by all these pianos at an antique store and Morgan Freeman walks in to go and tune them. In the meantime, he's supposed to just be on the lookout until notified to go and beat the crap out of the guys cheating him, uh, cheating Bob Hoskins. And But fascination with the music leads him to just help tune pianos with Morgan Freeman 
and that results in um another uh, second beating for Bob Hoskins, who still manages to get his money. So, you know, put the effort in. So, uh, from there, he decides to get out of loan sharking and just going into deathmatch fighting using uh, Jet Li. Danny is his name. And Bob Hoskins is Uncle Bart. Um... And then after they thought everything was good, some vengeful uh, borrowers try to kill uh, Uncle Bart and leaves Jet Li, Danny, just wandering to the only place he knew otherwise, which was that antique store. And then it's a loving movie about Morgan Freeman and a blind piano tuner and his stepdaughter trying to reincorporate Jet Li into society. And of course, the third the third act, it all goes to hell. Uncle Bart finds him and is determined to have his attack dog back. And obviously to protect his family, Danny doesn't want to do doesn't want to do it, but he doesn't but he doesn't want them to get involved. And, but he wants answers, and that's how he finds about out about his past. And still, it's a, so that's, just ends up being a mess, of course. Third act is him fighting off them, trying to capture him again. And why would they want to capture a guy who keeps betraying them? So, uh, the feature has great performances, I think. Uh, this is very young, uh, uh, Carrie Condon, that's it. And uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, is only in his 60s at this point. So um, it's fun. He's playing blind. Uh, but, you know, it's Morgan Freeman. The voice is all you really care about. And there's some great lines from him. So he works out well. And uh, all the acting is strong. Uh, direction uh, is a little iffy. And the tale might be a little too narrative, maybe a little too fast, but then again, this is a Luc Besson script, and I guess he was just, this is probably something he just penned. He really wasn't thinking about being overly clever with it. It's just something to keep the wheels going for his machine. And, I mean, there's, Jet Li is great in it, I think, as basically the a a child a man child just trying to figure out what he really what uh real life is um i'd say 10 years earlier and i don't think it would 10 years earlier i would say probably this would be your typical jackie chan movie or import i guess it would have probably it's probably great that they went with jet lee just because well you have to, everybody takes jet lee serious I can't really say Jet's done a comedy in the States. So that might be a, a tragedy, especially now that he's in his 60s and, uh, you know, really just doing his best to chill out and not get involved, I think, in either Chinese or American politics. Probably a good move. He's a Singaporean citizen now. So, um, yeah, so the... Direction can be a little just acceptable, I think, at best. But the fight choreography is Yuan Wuping, so 
you can't uh, be too angry. And you also get a young Scott Adkins for all you uh, fans of made-for-video action movies. He's a protagonist in a couple of the uh, Universal Soldier really kooky reboots. And um, he's the... Uh, he's in Hard Target 2. Uh, another one would be... Uh, well, he isn't... Um, no, he's not the kickboxer guy, but he's always fun to see. He's great in John Wick 4. I think his character was a little overly silly, uh, but, you know, that's... Uh, still, he has to fight in a fat suit in, in uh, John Wick Chapter 4, so it just shows his quality. Um... So, and when I when I complain about the direction, there are some great fight sequences still, uh, the entire pool fight. The action saves it more than the direction, I'll say that. But there's a fight which, you know, if you thought hallway tights were fight, how about European bathroom fights? So, uh, I thought that was a lot of fun and very unique. Uh, the lead up to that, that's where you see most of the continuity errors in the direction. Uh, there, as I say, there's some clever dialogue and they give it to the right people. Um, not, a, but you know, I guess that's just the biggest flaw for a movie like this. I really don't want it to be taken too seriously. Um, and I don't think Luke Besson really knows how to write a straightforward action movie like this. Um, I'm just going back to the movie Lucy where, uh, it's just like, boom, 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 a point A, point B, point B, the point C, like, you know, just revel in the chaos a little bit is all I'd like to say, you know, laugh at it, you know, it is an action movie and <sighs> sadly action fans aren't taking it too seriously, my opinion. So, but, um, as I say, Jet Li is lovable, Morgan Freeman's great, and Bob Hoskins, I guess, is the primary great performance in that. Uh, I would say it's because you legitimately buy that he does not want to end his relationship with Jet Li's character. He knows he's an evil man, but that's part. But Jet, Jet is part of his evil life, and it's just not complete without him. Um, so it's a real twisted love and Bob Hoskins pulls it off very well. So there you go, I guess with Unleashed, uh, great Bob Hoskins, clever enough, Morgan Freeman, interesting Jet Li, good fights. And, you know, so it's a fun, uh, that's just been the weekend, I suppose. Fun movies. Uh, this is probably the best movie I saw this weekend though. I'm going to, well, I did get the rewatch. Hellraiser and Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and really further appreciate them. So, but we will, um, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with, um, but this is definitely the newest movie, unseen movie I've got to enjoy. And it's on Tubi right now, so if you're just looking to get that action fix and, you know, a little humanity, uh, Unleashed will be for you, so... We'll do some funny transition tune on Spotify for podcasters, and we'll get to the 
Expendables 4, and I will uh, try to drop the other conversation I had this week. Um, well, I say conversation, but this was a guestless week, so um, we I'll drop that some other time. But since I'm just going to lead into the next uh, movie, uh, let me just go and pull off all my uh, credits, I should so- say. Um, so when it comes to credit, thank you, um, Ava, for being cool enough to let me get my photo of her to be the podcast art. And, of course, thanks, uh, Sasha Marie Harden for always looking after me. Um, it was, a it's great that I'm at least getting to hang out with new friends. And thank you, Hannah, Isabel, and company over the uh, Hellraiser Marathon kept me on the toes this week and thanks for uh making sure there are good people looking after me stacia as long as you keep looking after skimble the one-eared angel i think everything is all right with the world otherwise uh rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps five stars please be as honest as you want though in the comments five stars are going to draw my attention to it and it doesn't hurt the algorithms uh apple Podcasts is my preferred podcast platform but uh spotify has been very good to me um, and if you want to be on the show, you can follow me at CatBusRuss on Twitter, or of course, at Russ Stevens at Mastodon.social on Mastodon, or you can send an email to RussTheBus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a director, an actor, a theme, and let's make a slice of fr- fried podcast gold. The rules of the podcast are 70 to 100 minutes, but I can always make exceptions if you're willing to put the work in. So if somebody has that Amadeus podcast they want to do, we can make it work. Um, yeah, otherwise, when it comes to guests, hey, I am free Wednesday evening. So if you're listening to that and you want to make a splash in the podcast world, get a hold of me. I'll be happy to figure something out. So, uh, without further ado, I will set it on to The Expendables. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not The Expendables. It's Expendable 4, which I hope uh, Doing Unleashed fills in that Jackie Chan void. Ah, sorry. Sorry, Jet. That Jet Lee void. Um, sorry, I can't come up with the Terry Crews uh way to fill up that void and it's sad because i have idiocracy and i've never actually watched it and i'm just sitting outside the amc imax 18 in peoria illinois i actually uh, came to peoria just because you know, I thought my mom might want to see this movie. She's seen the last three with me, so in theaters. And, you know, she was a little like, oh, there's, there's no Antonio Banderas. And, like, mom, that's the worst one of them. But, no, oh, I digress. Well, it turns out she's just a little too tired. And, hey, she's a grandma with two grandkids that seem to always be around. So I don't blame her. Thus, I did go and see Expendables four or expend for uh trying to place that four and trying to sound clever is a little nuts and gosh i see way too many kids going to their cars after this 
I mean, there was a family ahead of me, and I thought they were going to actually take the entire clan to see the Expendables 4. So, gosh, parenting. Just something that confounds me, dare I say. So, but enough of that. And I stop and think about this. How many guests that I had on the show who actually are parents? I don't know if George from Not a Strong Start has kids. Um, I don't know. I don't think uh, Dre from the Tattoo Squid podcast has kids. I'm pretty sure Re- uh, Re and Wo- Ray, Ween and Ray, sorry, don't have children. So, oh, just a tangent. What can I say? So, Expendables 4, which in the end, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty... No, no bullshit um, movie, I, I will say. Well, I think there's a degree of bullshit, but that's just more of a commitment and basically like, oh, you could create a new franchise and oh, you're playing it safe again. So like with Expendables 3, okay, we're going to have the old guys say the new guys and it's going to be one big happy family and whoever wants to come back comes back and yeah, just um, it was silly and, and a half hour too long. Um, this feature, though, um, it's good 100 minutes. Um, and as I say, the action is pretty solid throughout. We uh, get that good old graphic violence stuff I am a fan of. And Antonio Banderas' character is replaced by a proxy but he gets to be the son. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, well, I don't know. I think Antonio's probably only he's in the early 60s. So yeah, maybe he had another one in him. But, uh, you know, we don't want to all do that Liam Neeson thing. So the story is about, really about the uh, Lee Christmas character, Jason Statham's character. And he does get top billing. I should have looked. I don't know. I'll have to look at the posters because... That is covering... Because the poster's probably going to cover something up. Um, So the guys go on a mission to stop the... I believe it's the protagonist of the raid Redemption. And from stealing nuclear detonators in Libya. Of course, they're not successful. And it looks... Well, I mean... Stallone's Barney Ross dies and Christmas is the blame <laughs> sorry just funny saying Christmas to blame for the mission's failure you know if they got the detonators it wouldn't have mattered if Ross died I mean Ross would have made the ultimate sacrifice so with all that said the leader the CIA guy is played by Anthony Garcia, and as a result of this uh, screw-up, he assigns Megan Fox to lead the Expendables, who is in a turbulent relationship with the Lee Christmas character. And basically, it comes down to Jason Statham having to go rogue solo and... Hope hope that Tony Jaw will help him avenge Barney's death. So that's the feature. Uh, you do get a great story about uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, Gunner, dealing with his sobriety. 
as I say, you get a fun homage to Antonio Banderas's character from Expendables 3. So, hey, Mom, they at least knew what really worked in that movie. Uh, Megan Fox, I th- she's kind of on a renaissance now. I really hate the fact that she had to go and kind of just slum it out for a decade before we take her seriously. So, but she's um, very solid. She does what she's what you want Megan Fox to do to be a just an in control hot chick. You know that's just hard to find, I think, in cinema. But I digress. And I know that that might sound chauvinistic, but um, I think she knows her lane. Sadly, um, that oh well, we want her. We want this from her. Um. And if she's willing to play it, more power to her. Um, but it's finally a strong female character and an expendable movie. Sorry, Ronda Rousey. So at least she gets flushed out in a 90-minute movie. Ronda Rousey doesn't in an hour, two-hour movie. So we'll get it. So um, the visual, I mean, the you know, a lot of CG. It's filmed primarily in Greece and Portugal to, you know, those Mediterranean countries that kind of have the same vibe as Libya. And the most of the film takes place after we finally get things settled, takes place on a, uh, oil tanker with a nuclear bomb outside of the Russian waters. So if they don't succeed, we're going to have world war three and the expendables are to blame. So, uh, and then by the third act it's twist and then, a kind of gutless twist, I think. And honestly, a twist that kind of makes you look poorly upon uh, a primary expendable. I mean, yeah, the guy, there might be, we might kind of not like the character, a character, but seems a little, a little mean out of character. So, um, but I mean, it's better than, as I say, Chuck Norris, just like, oh, I'm going to kill all the scum attitude into so um so i think the narrative is pretty solid i like i like the fact that it is statham's movie i think because that allows you to take the franchise in different directions i miss terry cruz uh miss jet lee tony jaw this is one of his best performances i think in an english language movie so that's very cool um we didn't get enough of another female character in this movie um Really wish I wasn't just recording on my phone so I could look up her stats on IMDb. I mean, it's a cool character, tattooed Chinese character called Lash, who, you know, eventually gets to whip out her chains and live up to her name. Uh, The battles are all pretty, um, I don't know, I guess I would say, yeah, you kind of screwed up with the narrative at the beginning. Um just trying to cut and be, you know, you're not Christopher Nolan. This is not Dunkirk. <laughs> so, I mean, it's brief, but you know, I just don't like the pacing decisions with that one. It's definitely not how it would have been right on the script. And this is completed in 2022, I believe. So you can't, uh, well, I don't know. Hopefully the WGA strike has ended tonight. It is Sunday, the 24th, <laughs> but um, yeah, a good script doctor, could, uh, not script doctor, script supervisor could have probably 
said, yeah, let's not do that if they were on set and if they had their hand in writing the feature. If anything, this is the best Kurt Wimmer movie I've seen. He wrote part of the script. Or, I mean, I guess he's credited probably as the key writer. I think he's first in the billing. Um, I don't. I have a history of Kurt Wimmer. Uh, he directed, wrote and directed Ultraviolet, which just was nonsensical. And then I'm not a fan of the movie Equilibrium with Christian Bale and Tyrese Gibson, I think it was... I know Sean Pertree's in it, and, you know, they give Sean Pertree enough time to, like, warrant eh, killing him off eventually. That's a key I was talking about in the Hellraiser movies. It's like, uh, Isabel was talking about the, just saying, oh, and this actor was in uh, Rome, and this actor's in TNG, uh, and, and either, well, basically, he could spot, she, she could spot a bunch of uh, Deep Space Nine character actors. Uh, in the first three Hellraiser movies. Quite the talent. I really need to get her on the podcast. And so, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, he, it's, it's like for him, he wants to be too clever. And I think he really, this film really just allowed it to be just straightforward, uh, for the most part. And, I almost like I would like to try writing writing a script to keep it strictly on the boat, or something like that. But uh, it gets there in the right way. I just um, it tries to be too clever in the twist, though. So there's the Kurt Wimmer flaw. I don't see this. It opened, I think, with eight point three compared to the Nun Two's eight point four. A million dollars, so I don't think we're. I think this probably is the end, especially with the lack of access to the Chinese market and the Russian market. Um, but well, I guess it's not a good place to end on, though. Again, they they kind of uh chicken out on creating something new with the franchise, and I'm kind of I guess I'm kind of disappointed in that, but if you're looking. For a fun action movie, and this is definitely a, a nice apology for PG-13, Expendables 3. I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, if you like the care, if you like Jason Statham, you're going to enjoy the movie. It's an easy movie to enjoy, and it's got the violence and action um, that, and for the most part, the funny violence and gore uh, you want from the, a movie like this. Could we've used different script, I guess, or characters, maybe, but this is what we got, and I don't think, as long as you're a mo- fan, if you're a fan of Dolph Lundgren, you're gonna like it. If you're a fan of Jason Statham, well, he's done a lot more, <laughs> he's done a lot more than just stupid action movies, I think. So, maybe it's a step down, but I like the fact he got to lead the movie, which is probably the most satisfying thing, is that it may not have pulled the trigger on being its own thing or giving a new character, I mean, giving a different take on the franchise henceforth, but you, you know, it's a good, just a good show. So that would be Expendables 4. I gotta go and find the first feature of a franchise to complete this tonight. And we'll go from there. Thanks 